Italian Wine Podcast. Chin Chin with Italian Wine People. This bonus track features the panel discussion on wine podcasts held during Wine to Wine Business Forum 2018 with Adam Teeter and Zach Jabal, the Vine Pair Podcast, Chris Scott, the UK Wine Show, and Monty Walden, the Italian Wine Podcast. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us uh, this afternoon. My name is Adam Teeter, and I'm the founder and CEO of VinePair, and I'm going to be leading my three distinguished guests and you today on a discussion about podcasts. So before I introduce the panel that's with me today, and we have a hopefully very lively discussion about all things the world of podcasting, I'd love to just understand from you how many of you listen to podcasts regularly. Cool. How many of you have been a guest on a podcast before? How many of you have your own podcast? Who's that? One. Who's that? Stand up. About wine. Perfect. That's all these as well. So let me quickly introduce the panel, and then we'll get started. So first, uh, my first guest is Monty Walden, who is the host of the Italian Wine Podcast. Uh, next to my left is my co-host of the Vine Pair Podcast, Zach Jabal. And then to my right, UK Wine Show with Chris Scott. So. Thank you all for being uh, with us today. So I, I just want to jump off with a question. I'll let you, whoever wants to take this, take it. So what do you think, you know, makes podcasts, podcasts have sort of come into their own in the last three or four years. They've seen a huge resurgence. Lots of uh, media companies around the world from Gimlet Media to NPR are raising millions of dollars to produce podcasts at this point in time. What do you think it is about podcasts that makes them so attractive to listeners? I think... Well, one of the reasons there's a growth in podcasts at the moment, when I started out doing it, we had the iPad pod, and it was really hard to use the equipment. Um, you needed to sync it with the phone, with your PC, all that sort of stuff. And with the advent of the, the mobile phone, all of a sudden, everything is just there. It's really super easy to pull it down, and it, you can just enjoy the content without any effort. And that's really been, what, in the last six, seven years that it's really got it really easy to use. So I think it's that. And also, as the product has grown, there's been an opportunity for people to develop tools to help podcasters. So when I started, we had to create all the RSS feeds and in the database, there was a lot of coding just to create a podcast, really lots of work. Now, you don't even need to know how to code to create a podcast. You just sign up to a service and away you go. So it's really easy for people to start a podcast and it's really easy for people to consume a podcast. And because of that, it's just made life easier. And also, we're getting used to not watching the TV live, you know, whether it's recorded or you're doing it as a subscription service like Netflix. You're consuming when you want to. And podcasts allow you to take audio and consume it when you want to. Yeah, I think there's a there's a technological point there that's that Chris made that I think I want to elaborate on a little bit, which is that people are now able to consume whatever kind of media they want almost whenever and wherever they want. And for most people, life has its moments where you're commuting to or from work or you're, I don't know, vacuuming the house or doing some other chore. Or if you're like me, you listen to a lot of podcasts while you walk your dog. And the combination of, as uh, Chris mentioned, you know, smartphones and um, the ease of producing podcasts 
podcasts uh, has made it so that people can fill those in- interstitial times in their lives with with whatever content they want. And and podcasts, because they're audio, they don't require you to watch something, are safer if you're driving a car for sure. And uh, in general, just fit in with people's lives. And it has it also has to do with, I think, the decline, which is maybe tied to this, of radio as a medium, you know, where people maybe listen to music or they listen to the news. People obviously still do that, but um, certainly um, a lot of the people I know, people of our generation, you know, they're, they get their information at the time and place that they want and podcasts fit that mindset and that lifestyle really well. So obviously podcasts in general have been around for a long time. You know, NPR is one of the really uh, famous producers of podcasts. You have lots of uh, now sort of true crime podcasts, but we're, we're really here to talk about wine podcasts. So what do you guys think makes a successful wine podcast? Well, I think the key thing you've got to do as an interviewer, whether you're a print journalist or a broadcaster, is you've really got to engage with two things. You've got to engage with your interviewee. Uh, if you don't have any kind of rapport with your interviewee, you're probably not going to get a great interview. And you've really got to engage with your audience. You know, What does your audience want? You've got to put yourself in the shoes of your audience and ask the questions that you think they might benefit from getting an answer to. And the good thing about a, a podcast is having been on TV, if you're interviewing somebody face-to-face, there's a real difference if you've got a camera person standing behind you with just a little microphone in your hand. It is almost like the size of a phone. It's far less intimidating for your interviewee, so you have a lot lot more latitude to push your interview into areas that maybe your interviewee wouldn't normally go, Uh, and they can reveal things about the winery. I'm not saying bad things, but good things actually give much more information to you and therefore to your audience because of the sort of, it's a much more relaxed way of gaining content. So obviously we're talking about pushing the interviewee, trying to make interesting radio. Who are each of you making these podcasts for? It'd be really interesting to understand, starting Chris with you, who your audiences are with these podcasts, right? I think for everyone in the audience as well, are they millennials? Are they consumers? Is it trade? Maybe for each of you it's different, but I'm curious who the audience is for your podcast and how you, what types of content you create with that audience in mind, because I'm sure also all three of the shows are very different. Okay, so um, I'm probably really poor. I'll give you some information about my audience in a minute, but um, I'm a poor example because I create podcasts for me Um, I really am not so worried about the audience if people are into what I'm into that's great if they're not I'm not worried either I created my podcast because I stopped learning my buzz is to learn I like learning and after I'd done my diploma in wine I stopped learning and I thought how can I create a way of getting to talk to really smart people about things I'm interested in and learn and I thought do you know what podcasts have been around for about a year Apple had launched, launched their um, iPod software um, and I thought jeepers I'm an electrical engineer well my background's engineering this is right up my street this is an opportunity for me to network and learn so that's honestly <laughs> that's the truth um, in terms of who my audience is I've never really bothered about it but I was when I saw uh, Adam's notes about who they are, I thought, oh, I better do an audience survey. Uh, So I did an audience survey to find out. And um, so I'll just give you the sort of main ones. Um, Ages uh, 25 to 34, 21% of my audience. 35 to 44, 29%. 45 to 54, 36%. 55 to 64, 11%. And 65 and older, 4%. There's 75% male, 25% female. Income is quite an interesting one. 30 to, if they earn, this is US dollars. 30 to 60,000 US, 24%. 60 to 100,000 US is 
32%. I've actually got 44% of my audience earns over 100,000 US. Of that, 20% earn over 200,000 US dollars. So this actually, that's interesting because this actually tracks with podcasting in general. Um, across the board, why podcasts have become so interesting to advertisers in the past three to four years is because the general population breakdown that you're discussing is basically the population breakdown for most podcasts. First of all, the iPhone is not a cheap piece of technology. So if one's in your pocket, which is where the medium started, you probably make a good amount of money. And then after that, it does skew usually more male listening to podcasts than female, mm -hmm. which makes sense with your demographics as well. That's very interesting. About a third of my audience are now listening to it on iTunes and two thirds are others, uh, which can be Android, but it could be also um, some of the other service providers at the moment. Marty, how about you? Well, our main audience is um, professionals and students, and that probably stems from the fact that the original idea behind the Italian Wine podcast was as, as an educational tool uh, for people doing the various courses that are being run to educate um, anybody in the wine trade, and even um, private um, punters, on uh, Italian native wine grapes and the, Italian, the complexity of Italian wine. And Zach, what do you know about the Vine Pair podcast? <laughs> Well, I was going to say, you probably uh, know at least as much about our audience as I do, but I would say from a from a focal stand, uh, point and who we aim to reach, it's very much, you know, overlaps with the Vine Pair readership, which is, you know, millennials and maybe people in their late 30s to mid 40s. We're definitely aimed at more casual beverage consumers. So we definitely get some listeners who are professionals or in the trade, but a lot of our, our listenership is going to be people who um, like wine, beer, and spirits, but don't necessarily work in the the field don't necessarily have a ton of pre-existing knowledge so so we aim you know it's funny I, I've had another podcast that's very much like Chris's podcast that was there to satisfy my own interest and um, the Vine Pair podcast is a little different still very interesting to both of us I think but but definitely aimed at people who like wine but don't necessarily know a whole lot about it and so that's what we try and do is you know provide information and and um, entertainment to those people in terms of podcasting in general what do you think when when you go to create your podcast Podcasts. What do you think helps make them successful, or what are you looking to to achieve? Are you trying to, you know, unearth something from the listener? Are you trying to create a, a specific theme each time? I know Monty, Zach, you and I were talking yesterday about creating person, making sure that your personality comes through, so that the listener really identifies with the interviewer and wants to come back and hear the interviewer all the time, as opposed to worrying about who the guest is each week. But I'm curious if what perspective you guys have about that. Well, I think. You know, from our standpoint, from the Vine Pair standpoint, we, again, are, are trying to reach an audience that has interest in wine but isn't knowledgeable about it per se. And so for us, a lot of it goes into how do we discuss topics that are of interest to us and are of interest to our audience in a way that's extremely accessible to our audience. So as someone who works as a sommelier who loves wine, sometimes that means uh, reining in my own uh, interest a little bit because it's very easy to, to end up in a technical land or, or down a rabbit hole uh, that I find fascinating, but isn't really interesting to most of our listeners. And so, you know, we definitely try to, when we discuss episode ideas and even in the process of recording the episodes there's a lot of sort of thought about okay how is someone going to listen to this and and appreciate it and and not be overwhelmed by it but also not be bored by it um, and it's it can be a risk of being if you're too simplistic then you do turn off your audience too especially if they listen and and you if you repeat yourself in the basics too often um, you do end up I think alienating people over the long term but but a lot of it is really just remembering who our audience is and really trying to provide information to them at a level and in a style 
style that's going to be enjoyable to them because in the end, you know, people are hopefully finding some entertainment out of, at least out of our podcast, you know, information is important, but we also want to be, you know, funny as best as we can try. I promise we're funnier than we seem right now. <laughs> this is I mean, not the best format for my humor. Yeah, I mean, the BBC, the British Broadcasting Corporation, has three great mantras whenever it's producing any form of content, which is informing, educating, and entertaining. And the three really do go hand in hand. Um, and I'm sure all of us, when we've been at school or university, our favorite teachers did two things. They kept us entertained, and they made us, and they had a soft way of, of allowing us to learn and retain information. And those are the teachers that stick in, in our minds. And they're certainly, for me, the entertainers that stick in my mind, whether they're on TV or on radio. Um, as I said, I've been, I, I find the radio, the podcast, really gets into your head, literally, because you've got headphones on. There's no other distractions, no image to worry about. Uh, you're not judging how what somebody looks uh, or how they look or what clothes that they're wearing. It's a very neutral forum uh, to assimilate in information and, and to learn. And I think that's why it's a very powerful learning tool. So to, to pick up on sort of what you're talking about now, obviously there's lots of ways now to cover wine. We can have photo essays of wineries. We can bring camera crews and do amazing high quality, you know, professional shoots. We can do obviously traditional wine writing. You were a wine journalist. I'm a wine journalist. Zach's a wine journalist. You're an engineer, Chris. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> what do you guys think makes the podcast so unique in the way of covering wine? And what sets it apart from other medium? Because I, I don't want anyone... I want people, hopefully, everyone in the audience to leave here realizing that the podcast is a very unique medium for talking about wine and very different than any other way that we could cover wine. I suppose it's more about the ability to consume it, which is what we talked about earlier. The advantage podcasts have, is, as uh, I think Zach said, was that you can do it while you're driving. I have a lot of listeners who, who are prepping for exams or trying to get ready for something, and I have shows that I've put together specifically designed to help them achieve their academic goals. And if you're a rep on the road, it's very hard to find that time to study or prep. So unlike you guys, I do sometimes do quite deep dives into something. I will get absolutely geeky on a topic, and if my listeners don't like it, I've got a magazine-style show, so it's not so bad. There's news articles, there's all sorts of stuff. There's all about my triathlete... I do triathlons. Uh, all my listeners know about it because I have a segment right at the beginning about my training, you know? I just try and keep it personal. But I don't have a problem going deep diving in and getting geeky onto a topic. Sometimes we have really fluffy light shows, and I think it's more about having, for me, having a variety of content so that my listeners can sometimes listen to someone talk really nice and easy about something or, or learn about something really, really difficult and hard. Monty, what about you? Well, I just think, in a nutshell, never underestimate the power of the spoken word. I mean, that spoken word can be used in a very positive way, which I think all our podcasts and any other podcasts are. And, you know, some of the world's greatest orators have been actually very, not particularly nice uh, human beings and have been dictators, etc. So, no, right. no, thanks a lot. I, I always knew it was trouble sitting next to you. I should have got here a little bit earlier, Chris, you know. So, um, so that, that is, um, and as I said, it's a very clear uh, medium that goes straight into your head with no other distractions. That's why I think it has such force and power. Adam, if I might add one thing, I, to expand a little bit on what Monty was saying, podcasting is an incredible storytelling medium, and human beings, I think, are instinctively drawn to stories. Um, it's the oldest form, the oldest art form, I think, 
known to mankind is the telling of a story. It's been with us since we've been human. And there's a way in, in which a podcast, as um, as Monty was saying, because it's stripped of all the other trappings that you get with um, video production, is you know distilled down to that essence of being told a story. Um, whether it's you know in you know in your bed as a child, in your parents telling you a story, or around the campfire, or whatever other setting. And I think that's one reason why podcasts are an incredibly powerful medium because wine is about stories. And we all, you know, I work, as I mentioned, as a sommelier, I buy a lot of wine, I sell a lot of wine. And quality matters, but the story matters a lot. And it matters to me when I buy wine, and it certainly matters to my guests when I sell wine. And it's the same with podcasting. You know, the story you tell is tremendously powerful. I mean, I remember Adam and I did a podcast a couple months ago about some wine regions in North America to visit. And I told a story about a winery I visited in Walla Walla, Washington, that involved, um, let's say, a very unique tasting experience, including some pornography that was playing while I was tasting wine. And it's it's that... For that winery? Oh, so you know which... Even though I didn't mention it, you know which one. I'm impressed. Okay. So the point is, uh, those stories are what make the experience unique because, you know, there's a lot of great wine in the world and there's a lot of... There's a lot of people who make great wine. There's a lot of interesting winemakers, but it's that translation into the story medium that is, I think, unique to podcasting or at least that podcasting particularly excels in because, you know, written stories about wineries or wines can may or may not capture that. Video may or may not capture that, but the medium itself and podcasting is, I think, uniquely suited to the telling of stories and wine is full of stories. Yeah, you're seeing this more in wine writing as well, this idea of storytelling. 20 years ago, wine writing was about explaining what Chardonnay tasted like and what Merlot tasted like. And we kind of moved on from that now. And now we want we want narratives. Um, one of the reasons why we're seeing more um, sustainable, organic, biodynamic wineries is there's more of a story to tell. But if you look at what editors are asking us as writers to do, um, is they want personalities, they want personal stories, personal histories. Um, it's not the romance, it's actually the, the fact Rome wine is a very romantic quotes industry but it's still an industry at the end of the day and, and getting the narrative out and digging that out when there's an interesting narrative to tell can really make a big difference to a winery how that winery or their wines are perceived and not just by the public but also by the trade as well who often sometimes maybe don't look at it that way they just look solely at the numbers it's getting that personality that individuality out that narrative out that can make a real difference so let's get into a, uh, a question that Mark Zuckerberg has had to answer a lot recently <laughs> <laughs> which is, how do you make money with a podcast, right? How does Facebook make money? How do podcasts make money? If you do make money, I know you do it for a hobby, so you may not be trying to monetize it. But if you were, <laughs> or maybe you are, <laughs> if you were, what are the advantages for you know wineries for brands with advertising on podcasts? Can you see a, a real ROI there? Um, you know, And then also... Is that the only way in order to, to make a podcast, to keep a podcast going? Yeah, why don't you start? I'll start since I'm not supposed to be trying to make money. Uh, <laughs> There'll be a collection for Chris at the end. Yeah. <laughs> Just a little hat at the, the top. The basket will go around. <laughs> yeah. No, um, I've always, it's inherently difficult to make money as a podcaster. Um, most people look at podcasting as a revenue stream from advertising. Advertising's fine. Uh, whenever I looked at it in the past, podcasting was very early. It was a very immature market. It was really hard, so I just didn't bother. But for me, my show is called the UK Wine Show because I run a business in the UK called 3050. We we're an events company, and we use podcasting as a platform to drive interest in our wine tasting business. And it builds credibility for our wine tasting business, and we get 
business from it. More recently, we as a 3050, my company, has moved more into running more courses, WSCT style courses. We created a large database of quiz questions for the level three, and we've used the podcast to drive sales of that. We, we launched the questions, and then that day we put out a podcast telling about it. We had our first two or three sales that evening, and we hadn't advertised, hadn't told anybody. We just did it on the podcast. We've taken that information, and now we're just about to, in the next week, I'd say, launch a series of podcasts that are about the WC Level 3 course, because it's the one that's got the highest fail rate, or one of the highest with the fail rate. And what we're doing is we've, we're using some of the materials that we created for our own courses, and we create a lot of materials to help our students pass, that we're now going to sell. By having an audio podcast that complements the materials that they can purchase, we think that's a model that will work. So the podcast, it's almost a freemium model. The podcast is the free element, but at the same time, you can listen to it and get lots of good content, but you can also purchase something that helps me, and I will take donations towards the end. I think you're you're hitting on something too that is a really important point to make, which is for most podcasts, I'm assuming for, I know for us looking at our data, I'm sure you guys did deep dives too. Podcast listeners are incredibly loyal, right? So which is why you were able to sell something so quickly because the audience is just so loyal. Do you, I mean, is that does that track for, for you guys as well? Yeah. And I think, you know, having done podcasting now in several different formats, there's a real difference when you, when you do a podcast as a sort of standalone venture and you look at trying to monetize that, it's very difficult. As Chris said, even now, even though podcasting is a more mature medium, even though more companies and industries are interested in advertising, it's still difficult to monetize without a a really large existing audience. But when you look at it as part of a larger platform, so certainly, you know, the podcast for VinePair is a part of VinePair's broader media company and is used to drive uh, traffic to the website. and, And, you know, there are lots of ways in which those things interplay. And so whether it's the freemium model that Chris discussed or even, you know, some some way in which there's, um, you know, integrated marketing within the platform, which Adam could probably speak more about than me because that's his side of things. I just talk about wine. There is that. And then, of course, you know, but advertising is still an incredibly important tool for everyone in media. It's, you know, for most of us and most in media companies, how you pay the bills. And so I think, you know, with wine, with wine podcasts, you have a lot of potential avenues for that, whether it's wine related product sales or wine sales in one form or another. And so that's, you know, there's a lot of opportunity there. There that I don't know that everyone has necessarily fully explored or understood. You know, we're we're all learning too. You know, we we are up here because we have podcasts, but we uh, I hate to break it to everyone, but we don't have all the answers. We just have a few of them. Yeah, I mean, all everybody you see has is has a podcast as an ancillary tool for the other businesses. One of the reasons why advertising is increasing in podcasts, even short adverts halfway through an uh, an interview, which we don't have on the Italian Wine Podcast, but most listeners can't be bothered to fast forward to get their phone out and. Find Fast forward, so they just listen to the advert. So you're kind of trapped, if you like. So that is one way where advertisers have seen that there's a possible revenue streams um, from advertising with podcasts, and also the fact that it's going straight into your head rather than getting confused by pictures of attractive people having fun and distracting you actually from the brand that they're trying to sell. It's a very, very immediate and direct way of getting into somebody's head, literally. One final question before we open it up to everyone in the audience. So let's say that someone here is thinking about starting a podcast. Why should they, and how should they get started? 
and I'll let you guys sort of take it, each of you answer the question. Well, I mean, uh, why should you? Why not? I mean, it's the investment required to, to do a podcast is fairly minimalistic. I mean, you could even do one with a small microphone in your phone if you want. If you have something to say, the world is your oyster. There's so many clear channels to, to, to broadcast on. I mean, even 20 years ago, you had to get on TV. Now you don't. You're in your own TV station, your own radio station. I would uh, just maybe tone that down a little bit in so far <laughs> as, um, yes, anybody can do it. It's hard to monetize it unless you've got some sort of strategy and you often see I've seen lots of podcasts start in the UK and close in the UK simply because the amount of time and investment required to do a decent show is actually quite large I spend 20% of my time producing a podcast 20% of my time without a material revenue stream I do it because I'm passionate about it and I love learning and that's why I do it you need to have a good reason you need to understand your reasons for it before you jump in it is easy to do but make sure you understand why you're doing it yeah I think what Chris said is a good point. I think you have to have realistic goals. Um, I've definitely talked to some people who are interested in starting podcasts who think that they're going to go from uh, zero to, you know, profitable in a year or something like that. And unless you happen to be very lucky or very good or somewhere in between, that's just not going to happen. There is a lot, there are a lot of barriers. You know, there are a lot of podcasts out there. And in, and so I think the two things that I would encourage you to think about if you're interested in starting a podcast are one, who is your audience? And that can be everything from what is the, you know, what's the, what language is your podcast in? How does that um, expand or contract your market? What subject matter are you going to cover? Is it going to be technical deep dives? In which case your audience is going to be probably, you know, in wine is going to be trade and students and things like that. Or are you going to try and do something more general, which may broaden your audience, but may make it, you may be lost in a sea of competitors. The other part is, and, and again, this is, I think what, what Chris was alluding to, you know, how much time and money are you willing to put into it? Because a lot of podcasts, it's true, are easy to, to create. You can record on your phone, but the quality difference is pretty striking. Um, and if you want to get a decent quality microphone, you want to buy some editing software and do a little bit of audio editing, you know, you want to kind of make it sound reasonably polished. And fortunately, podcasts, I think, to be appealing to people don't have to be polished the way that, you know, a TV or radio program does, but they still need some of that. And if you're not willing to put the time and money into that, whether it's your own time and money or you're hiring someone to do the work for you, whatever that may be, it's not worth doing. Unless you just want to talk to people. I mean, that's a fair way to do it. Um, you know, I've done that. Chris has done that. Um, and look at him now. But um, we're all very lonely. That's why we do. <laughs> don't have a lot of friends. We crave human contact. But yeah, it's just it, it is really the case that you need to be realistic with yourself and have an and have a plan. You know, it doesn't have to be an incredibly detailed plan. But think about also like what are your episodes going to be? Because I've also known people who are like, oh yeah, I want to do a wine podcast. They get four episodes in and they're like, I've run out of things to talk about, which you would think would be impossible with wine, but mm, maybe they're not that creative. So yeah, I think I think it's that. It's, you know, how much time and, and money are you willing to sink into it? And who are you trying to reach? And if you think about those two things and you have good answers, then I say absolutely go for it. If you can't, then maybe it's time to, you know, maybe spend a little more time sort of brainstorming before you, uh, before you launch. Cool. With that, I'd love to open it to any questions anyone has about podcasting, being a guest on podcast, anything that you are curious about. How long, how long is your average uh, podcast? So we have the general rule at Vine Pair that your pod, we believe the podcast should only be the length of a 
average commute, which in New York City, which is what we base it on, is 20 to 25 minutes, but the same would be for most of, you know, most metropolitan areas. The data that we had read when we were going in to create our podcast six months ago and talking to friends of ours who work at stations like Gimlet, et cetera, was that people don't like a podcast if they're listening, I think, not to do deep dive learning, but more for entertainment, which ours is much more of an entertainment style podcast. People get frustrated when they get to their destination and there's so there's time left. Then they don't want to pick up that time when they leave the destination and say, okay, great. So I listened to the last five minutes of the podcast and now I have to, as Monty was saying, take my phone out of my pocket and find another thing to listen to as I continue on my journey home. So our general rule is, you know, 20 to 30 minutes. But I mean, you guys probably have differences in terms of what your listenership is and how long your episodes are. My, my show, I target 30 minutes. Um, I don't have a specific, it must be 30 minutes long. I don't try and hit a time. But we have a news section where we do the news and then we try and target the interview is about 20 minutes. If the interview, if I'm doing an interview and it's really interesting and it's going over, I'll just split it into two parts. Just because I think the feedback I got from my audience uh, years ago when I was asking them about this was that they found 30 minutes was about the right length for them. It, you could consume it, you could take on board, because mine can be a little bit technical sometimes. You can take it on board, but if it's too long, you just start to lose track of what's going on. So I I think 30 minutes is about right for what we do. Yeah, I think I read a statistic once that your average sort of time span with one voice is about 22 minutes. So that kind of fits with what everybody is saying. Other questions? Hi. How you normally select the people, the in interviews or wineries, small wineries, how can get in touch with you? Cool. Well, I do either. I interview people at events like this when I'm up in Verona, and if I'm somewhere else, I take my recording equipment with me. I was podcasting in London, I think, last week, two weeks ago, in Tuscany, in the Marche. So I'm kind of slightly mobile. We have a studio here, but I'm slightly mobile. So I just take it everywhere I go. Always wear a camera and always wear your recording equipment. I mean, for us, uh, when it comes to Vine Pair, it's making us aware of you in the first place. And then, you know, we treat podcasts in the same way that we treat the rest of our editorial calendar so we plan three six months out because we have the magazine we have the you know the podcast etc and so then when Zach and I are planning episodes say oh we wanted to do an episode about uh, Barolo let's say you know in two or three weeks and then who do we know that we want to bring on so that's then you know saying okay well we, we know these producers let's see if we can get any of them who can join us for this podcast so we can interview either via the phone or Skype or whatever uh, that's also what's nice about podcasts is you know we're able to do these interviews with you not having to be in our studio fun fact this is actually the first time I've ever met Zach in person so New York's I mean Vine Pair is headquartered in New York you know 12 of our employees are there and Zach happens to live in Seattle so he's in a studio in Seattle when we record the podcast weekly and I'm in a studio in New York City and so the nature of podcasting makes that really easy but a lot of it is the same you know question to how do you get covered by print publications or TV etc is just send people your wine try to get on their radar make sure they know your story mm -hmm. you know the story is really important as Zach was saying you know making sure that you understand what makes your story unique is very important for you know becoming a guest or getting covered by someone I know I've said 
said this before at a wine to wine a few years ago, but everyone, it seems, can tell the same story of the, the property's been in the family for three to five generations and blah, blah, blah. What, what else about you and your wine is special? And that's what we start looking for when we think about, okay, so who would be a cool guest? Maybe it's your personality. Maybe you're just a really cool person and you're really fun to talk to. Maybe you just purchased the property and so that's interesting. Or maybe you just inherited it from a family member or whatever it is. It's really thinking about those angles that would make you a great guest. I want to add one other thing to what Adam's saying, which is for us, because our audience is not necessarily people in the trade and they're not necessarily deeply knowledgeable about wine, what's important to us is that, and we have a national audience uh, or international audience, is availability of the wine to some extent. So if your wine is not imported into the United States or is only imported and available in New York City or, or New York State or a couple of markets, it's probably less likely that we're going to be interested in, t- or we would be interested in talking to you, but you're not a good fit for our audience because we need to be, if we're going to talk about specific specific wines, we generally want people not just in New York or San Francisco, but in Atlanta, Denver, Houston, Seattle, to be able to go buy the wine if they're interested in it. And so, you know, that's a thing for us. And it's certainly, I certainly understand that for some people in this room, that may not be them. And I personally might be very interested in your wine, but we do have to kind of think about, it, it doesn't do us any good to recommend or talk about wines that only a tiny fraction of our audience can even find. I'd just like to say, um, for me, I'm looking for random stuff stuff. I'm, I'm, I, I've done 542 shows, so I'm looking for things that are different. I'm looking for stuff that's just a little bit quirky, a little bit out there. I'm quite happy to talk to wineries. We talk to a lot of wineries, but I'm also looking to talk to logistics companies or people doing virtual reality or anything really that's that's just random. You know, anything to do with wine, I'm into. The thing you've got to be careful about is that my show's called the UK Wine Show. And because of that, I've, especially with the burgeoning UK wine scene, with, you know, UK now producing some pretty decent sparkling wines, we started covering a lot of UK producers. But because we started covering a lot of UK producers, a lot of UK producers started asking, can you come and interview me? Or can, can I be interviewed? And at some point, you've got to say, no, I can't. It's just too much of the same. I need to move it around. I need different content. I'm, I don't have a structure like you guys. Um, I, you know, I have things I want to achieve in the year, but I don't worry about whether it's this month or next month because I don't have to tie it in with a larger uh, media presence. So for me, it's, it's a bit random. And the other thing is, please, please, don't expect someone to taste wine with you. Tasting wine on radio is the most boring thing you'll ever do. I listened to, when I first started out, I listened to Oz Clark. Now, if you know Oz Clark, he's a English presenter, really funny guy, brilliant. Listen to him present Tasting Wine on a Radio 4. Oh my God, it was so boring. Yeah. So um, if you want people to drink wine, that's great. Perhaps drink it before. Drink it afterwards, but if you want a fun interview, drink it before. <laughs> I think we have time for one or two more questions. Um, so first of all, I'd like to say how actually I've listened to, I think, all your podcasts. It's very nice to put names to voices, well, faces to voices. And that maybe brings me on to the question is, it was also interesting listening to you thinking about the auxiliary projects that you have with your podcast. Now, the future of podcasts, is it going to, in your opinions, obviously, will it remain a monodimensional podcast storytelling, easy to consume, or will it become more multidimensional, either using social media platforms or your other more monetary interests? Where is it going to go? So I'll take that from VinePair, 
for us, it's multidimensional. Obviously, it's an extension of the publication. So, for example, last week on Wednesday, the episode that came out was you know 20 minutes devoted to the top 50 wines of the year, which is the list we put out on the same day. It was an interview with one of our wine staff writers who sits on the tasting panel, who talked through why those wines were interesting. So we tied into the content that's on the site. In is it this week or next week is the gift guide episode? Uh, next week. Today is the uh, kickoff of Bubbly Week, which oh, is yeah. also so uh, you know so we do a week every year that's devoted to all things bubbly. We always do it the the last week in November. So all of our content on you know in the publication, long form features on sparkling wine, sparkling wine cocktails. We write a lot about champagne style beers, things like that. And so the podcast ties in. But you know we're a larger media company, so for us it has to be multidimensional. It wouldn't work if it sat separately. Um, and then Liz, who's in the audience, who's our uh, you know VP of sales, can talk to you. I mean, we, we do packages where we sell advertising both to the podcast and to, you know, articles and things like that, in the, and, you know, big ads, display ads and stuff like that on the publication. But you guys, I think you guys have websites too, though, don't you? Yeah, no, what I was going to say was um, I'm working at the moment on a documentary on a year in the life of a biodynamic vineyard. So whether you call that a radio or a podcast, I don't know what you call it, but um, it's not just a static interview with one person. It's really getting the lowdown on what is this kind of farming and the effect it has on the local community, because uh, it really does have a big effect on the local community in terms of how employees react to that kind of farming and the benefits for them. And even um, having more laborers in the village is great. The local mayor is happy because he has more occupancy and more council tax. I haven't got a title for it yet. I just could wine documentary by Boring Biodynamic Broadcaster. <laughs> That's be cool. One of my concerns is at the moment, I think we're in, we're in the golden age of podcasting. Anybody can do it. It's very easy. It's great. My concern is that larger media companies are going to lead to a consolidation of it. Um, you're already seeing it now. I can't get on Spotify. I've got the top wine podcast in the UK. I'm in the top 20 for food. I'm one of the top in the US. Spotify won't touch me because they only list you if you're part of a media company. What that means is the ability to get access outside the current channels are going to get less and less for new entrants and people like myself are going to get squeezed out. So my concern is that people like Zach and uh, Adam are going to put the squeeze on and it's going to become far more the need to become that multimedia tie-in with other people. And I, I'm worried about that. I'm not desperately worried because I just do it for fun. But I think we are in a golden age and I think very soon we're going to go into a consolidation period. You're seeing really high production values and a change in some of the storytelling. Uh, historically it's been people like myself and uh, Monty doing interviews. But you've got great podcasts like Dirty John or S-Town, those sort of things. And they're fabulous. They're different, but they're going to be driving consolidation in that those channels. And I think we're going to see a, a decrease in the ability for people to really make good podcasts. Or make, no, the quality of the podcast will probably go up, but the, the variety will go down. So just leave your donations at the door as you go out. We'll leave a little, <laughs> little yes, hat please. there. Tw- you know. 20 euro notes are fine. Oh, yeah. Take pounds even. Uh, one last question we have time for. When it comes to prep time, how much time would you devote for prep time? Yeah. Well, I would say that it's that's a, a sort of difficult question to answer, but I'll do my best. So there's the sort of topic generation. So you know, a lot of what Adam and I spend our time doing when we're planning the podcast is figuring out what we want to talk about and then sort of how we want to talk about it. Because again, you know, for us, it's always about um, whether trying to trying to find an angle on an, on a topic that's going to be approachable to our audience, or of course, as you mentioned, you know, how does it tie into Vine Pair's broader coverage strategy? 
strategy. And then, you know, there's the, other than that, depending on the topic, there's more or less research required. You know, when we're talking about things like our favorite drinks, then, you know, maybe that doesn't take a lot of time, you know, think through it, but we know our our drinks well. If we're talking about a, a more specific subject matter, then yeah, you know, there's some research time. There's obviously the recording time. And then there's, for me, the editing time, all of which are variable. But, you know, I would say to produce a 20 to 30 minute podcast on my end, it's probably somewhere between five and 10 hours of work. And that's pretty standard, I think. You know, again, we're not doing something hyper polished. If I was doing a really fine edit, it would be a lot more than that. Fortunately, podcasting is a pretty forgiving medium. So I'm not so concerned with getting the audio to sparkling condition it just needs to be good enough and yeah i mean i think that's it from our end i don't know about for the for the rest of you i I do most of the show myself and it takes me a day so it's eight hours hopefully and sometimes if i've got an interviewee with a very heavy accent the editing can be nightmare i've spent days trying to get an interview sorted um it can take um normally around about four hours if you've interviewed if you're clever um, and you've just interviewed somebody for say a magazine article in decanter for example for chances robinson it's a little bit easier because you've already got material to go on and then you can develop avenues with your questions where you couldn't necessarily go in the article because of lack of space because when you write an article you don't just write it you're told you need we need 400 words and not 401 words but i think obviously you know research really is the difference between good material and and kind of slightly scattergun material great thank you all so much You have listened to the Italian Wine Podcast bonus track featuring the panel discussion on wine podcasts held during Wine to Wine 2018 with Adam Teeter and Zach Jabal, the Vine Pair Podcast, Chris Scott, the UK Wine Show, and Monty Walden, the Italian Wine Podcast. Follow Italian Wine Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. 